0: Good morning, everybody. Let's clap to the Lord again today. Our risen Savior, why don't you go ahead and have a seat? I'm so glad that you are here to worship with us today. Happy Easter to all of you. Welcome to our, se- our second service. Well, forget how many we're doing today. We're doing another one right after this. We had a great one in the first hour, and I know that God is going to move wonderfully today. I want to just welcome all of you today. Many of you are our members, and we're honored that you are here with us. I also want to welcome our guest And we're really just blessed that you've chosen to come and worship the Lord with us today. We're glad that you're here. We're taking a little break from our study. We've been in a book called Colossians. We've been working through that book. We've been in a series called Rooted. As we've been going through this book of Colossians, we're going to take a break for for just a couple of weeks. And uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, we're going to be looking in chapter 24 and uh, I'm excited about uh, what the Lord is going to show us from his word today. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do I have any golfers in this place today? Raise your hands uh, proud. OK, we've got some few golfers. You guys are a little more awake than the first group this morning. Well, I heard a story about a pastor. I heard this story about this pastor that got he was just a little bit discouraged and uh, was discouraged about the way things were going in his church. And he was a little bit just downcast about things and. And you know, he just decided one Sunday that he was going to skip church. He was going to skip, and he was going to go and play golf. Not that anybody here would know anything about that, okay? But he was going to go and play golf on a Sunday morning, so he called his associate, and he lied to him. This pastor lied to his associate pastor. He said he wasn't feeling well. He kind of pulled the Ferris Bueller thing, you know, where he's like, I'm not feeling well today, and, and I'm not going to be able to make it in, and... Uh, and, you know, and he was, he'd been discouraged. So he was like, man, I just, I just need, to, I need to go play some golf. I'll feel better about this. And so he drove to another city where nobody would know him. Thought he'd go to this place. Nobody would know him. He teed off on the first hole, hit a nice, beautiful shot. And suddenly it was just so amazing. The wind just picks up out of nowhere, carries the ball that he has hit. I mean, it's going right in the middle of the fairway, carries the ball another hundred yards I mean, it's just this once-in-a-lifetime kind of win, like we experienced last night, right? Carries the ball another hundred yards, and uh, he ends up hitting a 400-yard hole-in-one. I mean, he could not believe it. He's jumping up and down. Remember, he had been all discouraged and things. He hits this once-in-a-lifetime shot. Finally, something was going his way, and he is fired up about it. And one of the angels looks at God and said, What did you do that for? You know, like you're going to encourage him to do this more. And God just kind of smiled and said, uh, who's he going to tell? You know? (laughs) Now, that's not exactly a theologically correct story. I know. It's just a joke, okay? Just having a little fun. But have you ever noticed that that's how life kind of goes for us? I mean, things don't always turn out the way that we plan them. Things don't go the way that we plan them. Some of you, you're planners. Some of you, maybe you've got a little bit of that control freak in you where you plan everything out. Anybody know anybody like that? Be careful raising your hand this morning. All right. But um, but here's the deal. That's how life so often is. And uh, maybe they don't turn out the way that we hope or the way that they think that they should. Or or you know things don't plans don't turn out what we think they'll turn out like. And and when life doesn't end up like this, what what happens for so many of us, just like this pastor he just got discouraged. He got really discouraged about his life, got discouraged about the way things were going. And and some of you, I know this in a crowd this size, especially in all three services or four services we'll have today. um, I know this, that there are people that have come in here this morning and you're just discouraged about something. Something has just been eating your lunch. Maybe it's been a problem that you've been struggling with and and uh you know what I know about our society that we live in today and all you have to do is is just watch the news it just seems like there's so much going on in our world right now I got up early this morning and I was just seeking the Lord before I came in because I need to meet with the Lord before I meet with anybody else and I just saw him this morning I was just seeking the Lord and I felt like this word that 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 God was giving me for so many of us is there's this uncertainty that many people are dealing with and uncertainty, another word that I was thinking of was just instability. In our world today, in which we live, if you watch the news, there's uncertainty, there's instability. And one of the things that I get to do as a pastor is I meet with a lot of folks and they just they share their heart with me and they share with me what's going on. And you know what? I, I know about folks within our own congregation, within our uh, within our community. Within our culture, even believers that I talk to, there's a lot of people that are worried about things. A lot of people are are anxious about things that are happening in their life. Our world seems unsettled. You know, I mean, life can be going a certain way and then the next thing you know, your whole world is turned upside down. It could be by that phone call that you've dreaded or maybe you've been to the doctor and the the doctor is called and now you're dealing with some news that that you didn't realize you were going to be dealing with. It could be financial pressures that some of you are discouraged about this morning. Uh, gas prices are soaring, and I know that upsets us every time we go and fill up our, our vehicles, especially if you have an SUV and you can't even fill the whole thing up because it shuts off at 100 bucks, And you're like, golly, you know? And, uh, I mean, it gets discouraging. And, and especially if, if there's a job situation that you're struggling with. I talk to believers who are struggling in their marriages, and some of you, that may be you this morning, that your marriage is, seems to be dissolving and falling apart, and there's this uncertainty that you're dealing with. could be some of you at this job situation that you've been praying about, and it's not turned out the way that you thought, or you're dealing uh, with a difficult boss, and that's okay to say amen unless you're on staff here at Eagles View Church, and you can't say that, okay? But there may be some of you that, that you've had a friend that's let you down. Or or a family member that said they were going to do something and they didn't follow through with that. And now there's this uncertainty within your relationship. And you know that the deal is, is that we all struggle in one way or another. We struggle with with getting discouraged. If you're not discouraged now, you've been discouraged at some point in your life. If you're not discouraged now, chances are you'll be battling discouragement or despair or even depression at some point in your life. That You're going to struggle with that because things didn't turn out the way that you thought that they would turn out. You know, none of us wants or longs for hard seasons to come into our lives. You know, these times like these, though, sometimes they're a purifying process because what they actually do is they challenge us to say, what am I really counting on in my life? And and so often we will put all of our stock in one thing, and the next thing you know, man, that thing has crumbled before us. I was thinking about this this week, all these precious people out just west of where we are at and how over 160 homes have been burned just within the last week. None of those folks last week, maybe they were in church or maybe they were just, you know, uh, hanging out with their families. None of them thought that on an Easter Sunday morning that they would be struggling and dealing with the kinds of things that they're dealing with today. Are you guys with me on how life can just turn itself up upon you just before you know it you 're dealing with a whole situation that you never thought you would ever be dealing with things don 't always turn out the way that we plan them. We really need to be praying for her for those folks. those are our neighbors right there and and uh, praying for our firefighters as well it 's just you know the circumstances so often are beyond our control. One of the things i 've been looking for so much. To Easter is just to be able to point people back to something that is a solid hope. Something that you could refocus in on even this morning if you've been discouraged about something that you can get to a place of, of, of if you've been preoccupied with all of these other things that have discouraged you, you can get to a place of focusing back in on something that is lasting, something that can be stable within your life. There's only one thing that is certain, and that is the fact that Jesus is alive. He is alive, and because of that, it changes everything. People have not gathered over the last 2,000 years to say this, the stock market has risen, it has risen indeed. You know, I mean, we might get a little excited about that whenever it happens. Or, or the dollar has risen. It's risen indeed. But, you know, we know how frail these things are. Here's, here's our one hope that has held up human beings across every continent for the last 2,000 years. This is a cross-cultural kind of truth. It doesn't matter what country you're from or what culture you're from. I mean, people who have gone through times of poverty disease, pain, hardship, and even death itself, and it's the truth that Christ has risen from the dead. It changes everything. We all handle discouragement in different kinds of ways. Um, some, whenever you go to that dark place and you're wrestling with it, for some of you, you just maybe just kind of get in this stage of doubt in your life and you're doubting and questioning everything and kind of like Thomas did, and and, and I love that the Bible includes people like him as he struggled with trying to put all of this together. Some, maybe as you're dealing with with your doubts, there are some that, and you're struggling with discouragement, that that you take your frustration and your discouragement out on other people who are maybe closest to you. Uh, Do I have anybody that is ever guilty of that? You kind of just let that out towards others around you. Some people will try to escape their discouragement and, and they just kind of move away from reality. And so we will, we will build our lives on something else or try to escape maybe through through alcohol or maybe through drugs or some people it's not those kinds of things. You look at that and you go, well, I don't have any problem with that kind of stuff. Maybe for you it's, it's you try to escape through food and you overeat and because and, uh, a number of people. And I've been one who's r- wrestled with that and struggled with that And we kind of self-medicate ourselves and we just want to feel good for just a little bit to escape our present reality. For some people it's television and you're watching television and you're always, you know, uh, or or some movie and you just escape by, you know, putting in your your earphones or maybe it's music or whatever. But you know what a lot of people do? A lot of people, they just check out and they just walk away. And they just say, man, I'm out. They run away. As we look in the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 24, it had been, and I just want you to do this. I want you to just put yourself in the position that these disciples who had been following Jesus, the place that they are now in, put yourself in their position. Their world had been turned upside down and their hope was completely diminished. Jesus, the one who just days before had come into Jerusalem, and people are lining up the streets and they are singing his praises. They are shouting Hosanna. The Messiah is here. And these disciples are caught up in the moment, this emotional whirlwind of, man, we're in on this. He's picked us to follow him. He's going to be the king and set up his kingdom. And these guys are all fired up. And then the next thing you know, Jesus is being arrested in the garden. He's falsely tried Their world is being turned upside down. Now the the God who raised Lazarus from the dead and others and healed the sick, has walked on the water, has calmed the storm. Now that same God, this one they put all their hope in, now he's being beaten beyond recognition. And they're going, what is happening here? Why is this happening? Why is he, why, what's going on? And now he's being mocked. And he's being abused and spat upon. And they're striking him in the face. And, and then they watched as they nailed him to a criminal's cross. And then six hours on this cross, he finally, the Scripture tells us, bows his head. And the Scripture says he gives up his spirit. And, and, and this Messiah that they put all their hope in, now they're looking up here at him. And now as his head is hung, he is dead. And they're thinking, what has happened to my life here? My world is turned upside down. Things had not turned out the way that they thought that it would. You talk about some uncertainty that these men and women were dealing with. This is for sure a word that would describe what they were, what they were feeling. Uncertainty. Instability. Worlds being rocked and turned upside down. Think about how, how fast everything happened. Just dwelling upon that this week. How quickly the tide turned. You know, one minute you've heard it said that you're the hero, the next you're what? You're the zero. And the, and the crowd can turn on you so fast, it goes from a crowd to a mob. And, and, and you know, and just it, it happens so quickly. These guys didn't have time to process this. Like whenever you've gone through a traumatic experience and it takes maybe even months before you can even process what has happened, it happens so fast, and, and, and this is what happened to these these men and women. Luke 24, to give you some context before we read the Scripture, the first part of chapter 24 tells us that early on a Sunday morning, a Sunday morning kind of like this, that a couple of the women who were followers of Jesus, they had gone to the tomb. Their hope had been dashed. Their Jesus had been crushed. He was dead. He was broken. They're, and, and they're just going there to mourn. To mourn what was going on, to process what was happening, and they get there and they're filled with all of this uncertainty, and and they and they encounter a couple of angels. The Bible tells us it says that you're here and, and you're looking for for the uh, for the dead among the living. He, what, what are you looking for here? And the disciples, as they run back to the disciples who are cowered up in the upper room, hiding away, trying to figure out and put together what has happened. They just dismissed these women as being hysterical. Peter and John, being some of the leaders within this group, they thought, we we need to go check this out. What have they done with Jesus? And so they run to the tomb, the Bible tells us this, and they get to the tomb and the Scripture says that it was indeed empty. These guys didn't quite understand what was happening. This band of followers that had, had been following Jesus, now they really were leaderless. Jesus said, as the leader is stricken, that that often they, they, they will scatter. And they did. They were falling apart. Two of them, as we'll read in a minute, were already on their way, probably back home, probably to throw in the towel. Thomas was MIA. had no idea where he was at this point. Off just wallowing in doubt. How could this have happened? although Jesus had been telling them it was going to happen for three years. It's funny how we hear only the things that we want to hear. This very afternoon, the report of the empty tomb, two of these discouraged believers, and they weren't of the twelve apostles there, the twelve original, that were, but they were followers of Christ, the Scripture tells us. They had set out for their little house or their place that they lived in, probably in this little place called Emmaus. It's about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And I think it's a safe assumption that these two people found themselves in a place, as they're walking that long journey home, they found themselves in a place they didn't expect they would have been. They were discouraged. The Scripture tells us their faces were downcast. Their world had been turned upside down. You could say this about their lives. It was chaos. And now this is where they're at. This is what they're dealing with. But on their way home, they met up with someone that they just figured was another encounter with another journey, someone who's uh, journeying back to this area. They thought he was another stranger, but it was Jesus himself risen from the dead in his glorified body in the midst of their discouragement. Here's the deal. They missed the living Savior. He's walking alongside them. They didn't even recognize him. I love this passage of Scripture of of all the different resurrection accounts. It's one of the most vivid, this encounter between Jesus and these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's it's really interesting because we know something as the readers that these two people did not. And that was that Jesus is the one who is walking alongside them. I love how it's recorded and I love these truths you'll, you can pull away from this. This is stuff you can apply in your everyday life. This isn't just some deep theological stuff that you can't... It is deep theological stuff, but it's stuff that's relevant. It's stuff that you can apply. It's stuff that matters. And so in verse 13, here's what the Word of God says. As they are walking in uncertainty, the Word of God says in verse 13, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Don't you know that was some discussion? As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus Himself came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing Him. Verse 17 says, He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? We read this next part with me? Say it with me. What does it say? It says, They stood still, their faces downcast. So they're walking along. He's, What were you guys talking about? They stopped and they just hung their heads. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe we're having this conversation. You ever been there? I'm having to have this conversation. I never thought I'd have to have this conversation with this person or whatever. This is what's going on in these guys. There's some, there's some common causes of whenever we, uh, this uncertainty comes in our life or this discouragement, this cloud of discouragement or this depression or whatever it may be that you're struggling with today. There's some common causes to this. If you're taking notes, here's some things to write down. You can find notes on the back of your bulletin, places where you can write some of these things down and use them in your everyday life. I think for, for many people that they will wrestle with this issue of fear. They're just afraid about about what's happening in their life. This fear of the unknown. And that's where some of you are today. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to happen next. And so these disciples, they, were, they must have been thinking thoughts as they're walking along. Thinking, okay, um, they did this to Jesus. We know how powerful He was. They put us together with Jesus. They know where His followers What are they going to do to us now? We better get out of town. Get back to Emmaus. So there's this uncertainty. What's next? They were afraid. How do you know whenever you're discouraged because of fear? It's because there's this intense desire that you have when you're afraid. It's to run away. I just got to get out of here. I I got to just drop everything and go. I need to get away. However you get away i got to get out of here. Some of you, this is where you're at in your discouragement. You're struggling with some kind of fear, the fear of the unknown. You're wondering, can God take care of this circumstance that you're facing? Worry and anxiety can cause us to feel uh, just this discouragement. Some of you, it's just you're frustrated. As I read this passage of Scripture, it's evident that there was frustration because it just kind of oozes out of the Scripture. You see when they have this conversation with Jesus and He's trying to draw this out of them, this, these feelings from them. And he's like, so tell me what happened. Uh, like he didn't know, okay? And he's saying, tell me about it. Tell me about what's going on. And, and so you feel this, this, this frustration that they had. And, and they're like, you know, uh, I, I, they must have just been thinking, man, he, we, we thought we knew he was the Messiah. We thought we knew this. He just raised Lazarus from the dead. What is going on here? People were shouting His name as the Messiah and the next thing they're shouting is crucify Him. Maybe the source of discouragement for you is you're just frustrated. You're frustrated because... That thing that you were banking on or that relationship that you were banking on or, or, or something that someone said that you were just counting on, that thing has not panned out as you thought it would and there's a frustration, this underlying frustration that's building within you and you're thinking, man, why does it always end up like this? Why am I always struggling in this manner? It's so easy to get discouraged when we get frustrated. Your plans are not turning out. Some people we get discouraged just because we're just tired. Fatigue sets in. We're tired and think about these disciples and how emotionally they had been on this roller coaster. At the beginning of the week, woohoo, everybody's pumped up, fired up about Jesus. Next thing you know, they're crucifying him and they're just they're on this emotional roller coaster. They're worn out. They are frayed. Not like frayed, you know, that we already covered that one, but uh afraid, frayed F R A Y E D, okay? They probably hadn't slept much. And there may be some of you that your source of discouragement is, you're just worn out. You're tired. You've been through it. Emotionally, you're exhausted. And, and that's, that's when we start getting discouraged. This cloud of discouragement can settle upon us. Another thing that we deal with is failure. Think about the failure that they're dealing with. They had dropped, the Scripture tells us, they dropped their nets. They dropped everything. They followed Him for three years People probably told them whenever they're following Jesus, people probably said, you know, that's not going to turn out so good. What are you doing dropping? I mean, gosh, you have responsibilities. and, And now maybe people said, I told you so. I told you he wasn't who he said he was. You've been following this and there's this. Failure that they're dealing with. Some of you, maybe you have a failure that has just overcome you and you're just struggling so much, you're discouraged. Maybe it's failure in a relationship. It could be a failed uh, marriage that you've struggled with and you just, you, you just can't seem to move past this or get through it. Or, or, or it could be a failure. You, you've had an addiction in your life and you thought you had it conquered and next thing you know, you're back where you started. There's a failure there. So what do we do? We throw our hands up, we quit, we, we give up. We say, what's the use? There's all kinds of responses to discouragement if you're taking notes. Here's what some people do. A lot of people, they just do what we said. They, they walk away. They walk out, man. You see it happen all the time in families. You see, you see it happen all the time in, in relationships. You see it happen in churches where, where, where they just walk out. These guys, if you'll notice something about them in the midst of their discouragement, what you'll notice is that they were moving away from the fellowship of other believers. They were moving away. And we don't know why, but, but, but we definitely know they were discouraged. The Bible tells us. One thing I've noticed is how often I see people who are are, are Christians that 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 love the Lord. Something happens in their life; they go through a difficulty within their life. And and here's the bottom line, and, and we preach this here because we find it in the scriptures that we all go through the tough stuff in our lives. It's life. We don't preach this bogus gospel that says that that everything's once you get saved everything's always going to be okay for you. That is not reality. We live in a broken, messed up, fallen world. And we've got to learn, and Jesus told us, in this world you're going to have trouble. Most of the New Testament deals with suffering and how to go through suffering and what it produces in our lives. So so, so let's just all agree that, that this is something that happens in our life. But so many Christians that I talk to, uh, whenever they begin to go through this, they start to isolate. They start to isolate. They walk away. They walk away from life groups. They walk away from the fellowship of other believers. And and man, I've been through some stuff in my life and I find myself prone to isolate. So I understand that. Here's what I also know. The Scripture says this, is that we need each other. You were made for relationships. You were made for for having people in your life that maybe they've gone through something like you've been through. Maybe not exactly, or maybe what you're going through is so, uh, is, is so at some point you may be able to help them or another person as they go through that. Or maybe you see someone that has gone through it and they've, they've made it through it and, and you think you can never make it, but they've made it through it and they provide a glimmer of hope for you. Because you see that, that God has brought them through this. It wasn't easy, but God is bringing them through it. And He can do the same for you. Many Christ followers allow themselves to become so preoccupied with and busy and, and preoccupied with our troubles, we, we get so frustrated that we withdraw. It's amazing. It happens all the time, though. Rather than turning to God, we turn to other things and we isolate. Back to the scripture in verse 15, it says this, it says as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing, for some reason, they were restrained from recognizing the living Savior who's walking alongside them. And I'll have to say, I don't know exactly why this is, I don't know, I speculate a little bit about this, but could it be that maybe they were just so preoccupied with trying to trying to figure it all out for themselves, or they were so disappointed and discouraged that they were missing out on the joy of a living Savior who was right in their presence. could be some of you this morning, you're so caught up in your discouragement, and I'm not minimizing it, because I've been one who's been through discouragement. I understand what that feels like, it could be, though, that you're so caught up in it this morning that you've forgotten. As a believer, the most basic promise that God has given you is this, is that He will be with you. That He will walk with you through the hard times, through the good times, even when you don't feel like He's there. He's still there. That's a rock-solid certainty that you can you can count on. These two couldn't recognize it. Their eyes have been blinded to the presence of the Lord. They needed some help on this day, and so they're walking away from the fellowship of other believers. They're isolating. They're run, running away, and, and, and if you're discouraged this morning, whether you're a part of our church or not, you could be a guest first time. I don't think it's an accident that God brought you here today to hear something to encourage you in this sense. Uh, we want you to know as, as a church, we're glad you're here. Now, we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect by any means. You'll see a lot of authenticity and transparency. You sure won't see perfection. But here's the deal. There are people who are right here in this congregation that have been through some of the most traumatic things that I can't even fathom as they've been through it. And what they could say is that God is bringing them through that. What they also can say is that they found strength from one another. They also could say that there have been people right here Fellow Christians right here that have walked with them through it and they weren't alone. It's not an accident that God brought you here today. You've walked away from the fellowship of of believers. God is is tenderly, in His loving way, just drawing you back because we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Here's another result uh, that we see often, a response to discouragement, is some people get hung up on what has happened in the past, they're so hung up on the past that they don't have any way to move forward or they can't believe they could ever uh, engage new opportunities that are presented right before them. This, this discussion that they're having with Jesus in the original language, in the Greek, uh, it indicates that this discussion was intense. I mean, it was intense. In the middle of their bewilderment, they're tossing back ideas and saying, well, maybe this is what he meant by this. Or maybe that when he said this, that's what... you know." Or, and they're trying to put it all together. The latest thing is, why did he die? Why in the world did he die? Jesus asked them what they're discussing, and they're so sad. And what I love is, is this here, is that it's almost like he's drawing it out of them. He, he knew how they were feeling. He's drawing this out of them. He wants them to express to Him how they're feeling. I love this about our Savior. So they do. Verse 18 says, one of them named Cleopas asked Him, and this is where you can kind of sense that he's kind of irritated, I think. Are you only a visitor here to Jerusalem? You don't know. Have Has you, your head been in the sand? This is kind of what He's saying to Jesus, all right? Where have you been, dude? Have you not seen all this stuff, the bloodshed and all of this? And you what is going on? Who are you anyway? You know what I love also about this passage is these guys that Jesus comes alongside, you know they're never mentioned before this occurrence and never mentioned afterwards. There's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Cleopas, okay? And that other guy he's not even mentioned, I bet he's like now going i didn't even they didn't even mention my name, man, what is up? I was there. One of the things that I, that I just find from this encounter is that Jesus often made his most remarkable revelations to who we might think are unremarkable people or are the least remarkable as he speaks to these kinds of it just tells us this there are no unimportant people to Jesus, you know. He comes to these guys for a reason. He, he joins these two on this journey. He's, he knew their hearts. He's drawing this out of them. He, he asked them this leading question. They are confused and disillusioned and disappointed and discouraged. And, and the good news is this for you today is that He hasn't changed. He's coming alongside you this morning in the midst of your feelings and, and your struggle. And He's saying, I just want you to talk to me about it. Share with me what you're feeling. I already know, but you need to talk, man. You need to talk to me. So Cleopas, in this, in this amazed kind of sense of irony, this is so ironic, he's like, you have got to be the only one around here who hasn't heard about what's happened to Jesus. I mean, you are, uh, who are you? I mean, do you not know what ha- has happened? And I just feel in this scripture like Jesus is kind of smiling on the inside, kind of going, Yeah, i got a pretty good idea about what happened. I kind of know. So he says, but he says this. He doesn't say, uh, hello. He just says, wouldn't you say that if you were God, you know? Golly. McFly, you know, whatever. He says, what things? Tell me. Talk to me. He wants you to talk to him this morning. These disciples were living, if you, if you if you know the language here, and you can even see it in the English, they were living in a past tense kind of faith here. Now, look what it says, verse 19. It says, about Jesus of Nazareth, man. They're like, about him. They replied, he was. Look, look, look at how they start talking about him. He was this. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed. God and all the people, just quick. He says, the chief priests and our rulers, these are the guys we were looking to for leadership. Here's what they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped. That sums it all up right there. Our hope was buried with him. We had hoped. We hoped he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. What is more, it's the third day. He mentioned something about the third day. You know, I know he said something about that, like he was coming back. You know? You see, he was, he was, he was. We had hoped. It's all past tense. They're hung up. There's nothing sadder than the death of hope. When it's gone. We had hoped. Some of you, that's, that's a phrase that would describe you. Your hope is just completely depleted. You're like, man, I'd hoped. It's not working out. We're so caught up in the things that had happened in the past, we can't even realize the Savior's walking alongside with us, presenting us with a fresh start and brand new opportunities to walk with Him. What is it that's holding you back today? It could be a hurt or a disappointment. When we get discouraged, we can walk away. We can we can dwell on the past. Here's the last thing, if you're taking notes. Some people, we just get to this place where we really question, does God even really care? Does He care? We might have expected Jesus to say something like, and it's funny because we try to put our spin on what what Jesus should say here, like, oh, it's okay, you know, or like, I understand, you know. He doesn't. He says it's something kind of different to him. He says this to them, and they're walking with this guy. They don't quite know who he is yet, and he's like, how foolish you are. He's like saying, you fool, you know? How would you like that, you know? You go in to visit with a counselor or the pastor, and he's like, you a fool, you know? And how foolish are you, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken now when we hear this, we, we it seems a little harsh. We're like, man, this is harsh, but 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 this how foolish, it's not in like this moronic sense, like he's like, Y'all are idiots. You not have caught what I've tried to tell you. He's not saying this. It's more along the lines of this. He's kind of saying, Remember all that stuff you've seen that he's that he's done? Remember all these things that he said? Remember how he taught you in those, those quiet places about this would have to happen? Now it's all coming together. You just don't have eyes to see right now. You're only choosing to see what you want to see. And he's saying that to some of you this morning. You only have eyes to see it your way. He said, you're slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It it indicates they were selective in what they wanted to believe. They were only believing what they uh, you know, wanted to believe, but not the whole truth here. And we do this all the time. We can't see the big picture. We have this finite mind and God is infinite. God sees it all. He knows how it's all coming together and we just can't comprehend why it would work out this way. Heartbreak happens this way. We think God should do something based on our knowledge or our faulty knowledge of what we know about His Word. He doesn't quite do it the way that we think He should do it. We get discouraged about it. We think He's let us down. He's disappointed us. But the problem what we've got to get is the problem's not with, us, with God. The problem is with our vision. We just can't see it. We, we can't see it in, in this world in which we live. We don't have the spiritual eyes sometimes to see problems with our vision. So the Lord began to give them the best scriptural exposition anyone has ever given to the Old Testament. I mean, He is putting it all together for them from Genesis through Malachi. Here's what it says. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if He were going farther. But they urged Him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So He went in to stay with them. When He was at the table with them, He took bread, He gave thanks, He broke it and began to give it to them. Read the next part with me. What does it say? Read it out loud. Then their what? Then their their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened. They had an aha Moments, they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight <laughs> they were like he's gone well I needed to talk to you about this further you know and, and then they asked each other I love this we're not our hearts we're not our hearts just burning within us while he talked with us on the road and what did he do he he opened the scriptures to us it, it fits together I can see it now. Have you ever been reading God's Word? Or have you ever had that moment in your life where you thought, this just doesn't make any sense? But now you can look back and you can go, I see what God did now. You may not have that experience right now until you have your glorified body one day. But some of you, you can see things that had you changed this or you done this differently, you know, kind of that it's a wonderful life kind of story. You know what I'm talking about? That some of you are like, if I were never here, you know, and you see that there's so much more going on than what your eyes can see. When people ask me all the time. They're like, Pastor Bob, what, what, what is the Bible all about? What is it all about? They were finally, as their hearts were burning within, they were finally putting it all together. That, oh, okay, that's why he told us he was going to die. He had to to pay for our sins. Now it makes sense. Oh, and he came back to life too. That's awesome. These guys were on. They went back to the the other disciples and shared with them what had happened. I just want to close with with this thought this morning. Some of you, you may be so discouraged about whatever it is that's going on in your life. And I don't want you to think in any way that we're just saying, get over it or anything like that. You're going through some stuff in your life. It's real stuff. It's hard things you're you're going through. but, But here is the thing. Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. He is close to you, even in the midst of your struggles. You just maybe, you can't see Him right now. And, and, and you've got to get the fact that He is calling you into relationship with Him. Your discouragement maybe has blinded you in some way as it blinded these disciples. Could be you're focused on, on your sorrow, on your own loss, and, and you know and that's just how we get in our human nature. Their sorrow prevented them from seeing God and finding out that He was living at this very moment. They couldn't see the opportunities that God had for them at this point. Some of you, that could be exactly where you're at. You're not here by mistake today. And what you need to walk out of here with today is you came in, maybe hopeless, you came in, but now there is hope. There is hope and it's because our Jesus is alive and He's with you today. And He wants to walk with you. Let's pray about this together. Will you pray with me? You know what I love? Another truth about this scriptures, our heads are bowed before Him today is this, is that Jesus didn't like force Himself to have this meal with these guys. He didn't force Himself upon them. He wanted them and was waiting for them to invite Him. And He wants to draw near to you This morning, even in the midst of all your discouragement, but He's not going to force Himself upon you today. But the moment that you invite, He will sit down and will have fellowship with you. And I pray to God this morning that some of you would have that aha moment. You realize that He's calling you into relationship. The plain and simple truth you don't catch anything else this morning, with your heads bowed before the Lord today, here's the deal. Easter is all about the opportunity that we have to come into a relationship with the living God. What are we that He is mindful of us, but He loves us and He wants to be close to us? If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ... Today, right where you're seated. You can call on Him. He will save you. You just need to believe in Him for eternal life. The Scripture tells us this. As you place your faith in Christ alone, instantly He will save you. You are secure by God's grace. It is not by how good you are or how many Easter Sundays you make in your life or or how many times you go to church. He will save you because of His grace. He's already paid for your sin you've got to trust in Him. You've got to ask Him to save you. And the moment you do, He will save you. Say, man, I'm not even sure what to do. Just call on Him right now. He's drawing you to Himself. He's right alongside you. Say, Lord, I, I come to You now. I know this. I know that You are the Savior. I am a sinner. I do not deserve heaven. None of us do. But Lord, I just... I realize you died for me. You took my place. You took my sin. You rose again. And right now, telling this in faith, I just trust in you alone to save me. You are the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With our heads bowed, if you trusted Christ as your Savior today, would you? Maybe just let us know about that. There's a place in your bulletin that says, I trusted Christ. Put it in the basket in a moment or on the back wall. There's a place where you can put that to let us know. We we don't want to like, you know, come hover at your house or anything like that and bother you. We just want you to know we're with you. Tell somebody, let your family know, I trusted Christ as my Savior today. Don't be ashamed of Him. He saved you. There are others of you today that you would say, Pastor Bart, man, I've been so discouraged. I've been struggling. I'm a believer already. But would you just pray for me today? If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? I want to pray for you today. Just lift your hand. I won't call your name out. I'm just discouraged. I'm struggling. Many, many hands in this room today. Let me pray for you. Father, I just lift these believers up today. Lord, as maybe their eyes have been covered because of their discouragement, Father, I pray today that you would just bring them this great encouragement because of who you are and your presence today. I pray your peace would rest upon them, Lord, that our hearts would burn within us because you are good. Even when we can't see you, Lord, we know that you're with us. Encourage these believers today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Randy.